This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The long wait is over. Caleb Williams is a Trojan. Good afternoon. It is February 1st. My name is Lance Glenn, and this is a bonus episode of the College Football Daily. We did one of these on January 3rd when Caleb Williams entered the transfer portal, and now almost a month later, we are back as Williams is headed to USC. Joining me now to discuss the big news is Ryan Abraham, the publisher of uscfootball.com. Ryan, the wait was long, but Caleb Williams has finally made his decision. He's following Lincoln Riley to USC. It seemed like the most logical destination from the beginning, but then you obviously heard schools like Wisconsin, UCLA, and others involved, and maybe even the favorites at some point. Now that the speculation can be put to rest and he is in fact headed to Southern California, first and foremost, can you breathe a sigh of relief now that all the rumors can kind of be can kind of be ended and kind of be squashed? And secondly, I'm out here in New Jersey. I see the buzz online, but with you out in Southern California tapped into this USC program, what is the buzz like around the team and with the fan base and this Caleb Williams decision? Yeah, Lance, it was taking a long time for this to happen. You said it was almost a month. It seemed like a lot longer than that. Every time USC's football account or Lincoln Riley would tweet out a fight on emoji, everyone assumed it was Caleb Williams. You know, as soon as he entered the portal, you had Jackson Dart entering the portal. It just, it made a whole lot of sense, right? And I feel like that's where the logical conclusion was going to go. But I think the family really looked at this as a business decision, what's going to be best long-term for Caleb Williams. And there's a calendar involved, obviously USC's academic calendar. And we did learn that he was able to register for classes by Friday, which was the last day. Uh, if you wanted to participate in spring football, and he's apparently starting in-person classes on Tuesday, the day the news was breaking, and he'd be able to you know, be a full participant in spring football and all that. But it definitely was a long time coming. I think some of the fans got a little restless, but most people were pretty confident that he was going to end up at USC. But they did a really good job of kind of putting some, at least some other feelers out there. Was he going to go to Wisconsin or UCLA or one of the SEC schools? It's hard to say, but it just seemed like logically going with your old coach at, at USC seemed to make the most sense. But the buzz has been incredible just from the addition of Lincoln Riley to begin with. And I think the fans were just, they, they really wanted some good news. They had seven years of Clay Helton that not many of the USC fans really embraced him as USC's head coach. And it, like, you, know, you talk about something that lasted a long time. That certainly did. So just bringing Lincoln Riley in and then seeing what he was able to do in the transfer portal, they now have the number one transfer class in the country. And with uh, only eight high school signees, they're still a top 10 class if you combine the uh, signing period, you know, the high school signees with the transfer. So this is sort of the cherry on top of that, having Caleb Williams be a part of it. You know, they're bringing in 13 transfers, a lot of experience there, filling in some holes they definitely needed. And, you know, with only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster, they needed a star quarterback. So all signs pointed to Caleb Williams. They were kind of thinking, well, what's the backup plan if he doesn't sign? Obviously, he's now signed. He's part of the team. So it's really created a lot of buzz to answer your question about what Lincoln Riley has been able to do these last few months. And look, USC, prior to Williams joining, the group had one of the best transfer classes in the country. Now, 
Like you said, it's number one with Williams in the fold. But had they not gotten Caleb to join, would there, I guess, not be a sense of failure per se with the group, but at least a little bit of disappointment with this transfer class? Because look, I think that while Mario Williams is great, obviously Travis Dye is great. You know, the defenders they got are great. And some of the ones uh, that I didn't mention obviously will make big impacts. But ultimately, look, none of them are Caleb Williams. And, you know, you lose Keaton Slovis, he transfers out. Jackson Dart, obviously he transfers out as well. If it weren't for Caleb Williams signing, they would have been scrambling to appoint a quarterback if he would have decided to go elsewhere. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that you could, it's the most important position, not just in college sports, but probably in American sports, right? The quarterback position. And you needed somebody there. They had Miller Moss, who's a redshirt freshman who, you know, four-star player. He looked good. They had Mo Hassan, who started a game in the SEC. He's a redshirt senior coming off a knee injury. Just wasn't going to be a lot of depth there. You got some preferred walk-ons and some former players, you know, that had some experience, but you needed that star quarterback to kind of make everything run. And it's not just about who you're bringing out. If you you followed Caleb Williams, his career, he's been kind of like the Pied Piper when it comes to recruiting. And I think they're going to do really well in the class of 2023, which has already started, but there's going to be another wave of the transfer portal after spring football ends going into that summer academic calendar. So I feel like USC can go through spring football, assess, you know, where their strengths and weaknesses are. They added a lot. They had a lot of depth and they added some you know key positions, but they're probably going to need to address a few more spots going forward. And I think having a guy like Caleb Williams in the fold is going to help with that. He just seems to be a player that other players want to come and play with. So, yeah, I, this was a big one. Uh, you know, obviously putting them back over the top, they went back and forth, I think, number one and number two with Old Miss and Lane Kiffin. But more importantly, just what he brings to the table, I think it's going to help continue to build that roster that Lincoln Riley really wanted to retool when he took over a few months ago. So look, I don't think with Caleb Williams now in the fold, obviously the starting quarterback, there's any reason why USC shouldn't have one of the best, if not the best offense in the Pac-12. And and frankly, maybe even one of the best in the country with bringing Williams and everything else they brought in on the offensive side with the transfer portal. Is that expectation fair? Is that, you know, are are we thinking, I guess, too highly without any of them having, I guess, played together really besides Caleb and, and Mario Williams? I think there's a proven track record with what Lincoln Riley has been able to do when he's running the offense and then having his quarterback from last year, I think puts you in another category and it's, it is the pac 12. It's not like this is a murderer's row that you look at the quarterback situation last year. Um, I don't know, maybe Jaden Delora was the best quarterback in the pac 12 and he transferred from Washington state to Arizona. There's sort of a power void, especially on the offensive side. Now Utah was the best team and, They look good. They're bringing a lot of guys back, and I love what they were able to do. But if USC has the kind of athletes that they're putting together with the kind of scheme that Lincoln Riley has, I don't see that being an unrealistic unrealistic expectation. They're going to need to make some major improvements on the defensive side of the ball where they were really bad in 2021. And, they, you know, obviously going four and eight isn't great, but can they add the right pieces? And will Alex Grinch, the new defensive coordinator, get them to gel and mold together? We've seen some, you know, Utah brought a lot of transfers in last year and they didn't really get going until three, four games in the season. Can USC afford to do that? We'll see. But I think right from the get-go, offensively, they're going to be the best or one of the best in the Pac-12 just right out of the gate. I don't think that's unfair. Will they be a, a great team in the Pac-12? I think that might take some time. But the, you know, like we said, the Pac-12 isn't like an amazing conference right now. They're, you know, you, Oregon's looking a little bit better. And uh, you know we saw what Utah was able to do last year. But USC, I think, can take over that top spot fairly quickly, if not in year one, then certainly by year two. And not just offensively, but overall, obviously, now all the hype is with the Trojans. How far do you think this pushes USC in terms of just overall rankings in your mind? You know, are they a top 15 now, a top 15 team now, maybe even top 10? You know, how high do you think USC, how high do you think the hype is going to go for USC heading into next season? 
I think just adding Caleb Williams is going to create tremendous hype, even just Lincoln Riley. And USC is one of those traditional teams that gets overranked fairly often. So I don't think that's going to change. Uh, but I think there's going to be some actual reason behind it. And, you know, we'll see what they're able to put together. I mean, you look in the division, I love what Arizona's doing, but, you know, they were 1-11 last year. Arizona State seems to be in a free fall. And, you know, will, will UCLA be able to take that next step? They did go, you know, get their first winning record uh, under the Chip Kelly tenure. But USC is putting together a somewhat of a juggernaut. I don't know if UCLA is going to be able to compete with that. I don't, you know, Oregon's the team you got to, I mean, sorry, Utah's the team you have to overcome and the Trojans play them in Salt Lake City. But yeah, I, I think, you know, the sky's the limit with this team. It's going to take a while to get the kind of roster that would be able to compete on a national level, but they might not need that to compete in the Pac-12. We'll have to wait and see. But I, I feel like they're they're poised to be able to do that. Uh, and with the transfer portal and, and teams and players being able to play right away without sitting out a year, it's just allowed some of these coaches to rework a roster a lot faster than what we've seen in the past. You mentioned it, you know, obviously Lincoln Riley, we, we're seeing what he uh, what he's doing. Lane Kiffin, you mentioned before. Brian Kelly at LSU is really just retooling his entire roster through the transfer portal. Um, but in terms of just the Pac-12 in general, because you also host uh, the podcast of Champions um, alongside David Woods. The Pac-12, look, it, it's a conference that's obviously been down the last few years. Utah won it this past year, and they had that great game against Ohio State, obviously, in the Rose Bowl. But how badly does the Pac-12 need USC now with Caleb Williams to, I guess, work? You know, how badly do they need this team with USC, Lincoln Riley, and all the pieces he's bringing in to help the Pac-12 rise back to, I guess, what they were a decade ago? Yeah, I, I personally believe that the Pac-12 does need USC. And, I you know, I talked to some fans from the Pacific Northwest, and they might not uh, fully agree. But if you remember in the 90s, when a lot of the top players in California were going to Miami or Florida or Florida State, the hot teams at the time, Pete Carroll came in and kind of made it cool, not just to stay at USC or, you know, being California, but he kind of made it cool for these players to stay on the West Coast. And, you know, as, as good as Oregon's been recruiting, they're just not able to do that. Utah doesn't recruit at that level. You need to be able to keep some of those guys home. And there just wasn't really a playoff option to go unless you left the Pac-12 footprint. And if USC can be that option, Oregon can be right there too. And having multiple teams where you could like, look, you can, you can actually be part of this college football playoff and stay on the West Coast and not move 2,500 miles away. I think it's really important. And just having USC be legitimized. And we even saw it with Oregon last year being like number three through the you know first several weeks after beating Ohio State. Now they weren't able to hold on to that, but it legitimized the conference for a while. And if USC can be up there and you have multiple, maybe Utah's in the top 10, I think it's going to help the conference overall. But without USC, I think it can be done in the Pac-12 but it's really difficult. Just it's it's a much easier path for national uh, attention if USC is one of the best teams in the country. So Ryan, I'll let you get out of here on this one. You know, you mentioned earlier Caleb Williams' presence as a recruiter, and obviously the belief is that he'll be here for the season and for 2023, and then obviously go to the NFL. Uh, but how big could his presence on campus be? His presence in US at USC be for recruiting in that 2023 season, in 2024, and beyond. You know, obviously it's great for Lincoln Riley to have uh, the allure of playing with Caleb Williams to. To, uh, to help persuade kids to stay home and to come to USC on the recruiting trail. Yeah, it's it's huge, and I think we'll first see it coming up. Uh, you know, probably starting in May after spring football ends, and we're seeing more guys enter the transfer portal uh, heading into the summer. You, you want to get these guys. And during the summer workouts, enrolled in summer classes, I think that, you know he'll be able to help, especially if you need some help on the offensive line or, uh, or whatever. I think you can uh, Caleb Williams can help with that. They already got a great start on the class of 2023 and the buzz around uh, Lincoln Riley. You know, getting a couple guys to you know five-star players to switch from Oklahoma to USC, but building on that, I think Caleb Williams is going to be 
a key part of it. And obviously, if he comes out and has a, a big year, that's going to help even more. But it sort of legitimizes like this is Lincoln Riley's offense. It's going to put up a whole bunch of points. They, you know, he put guys that, you know, first round draft picks, Heisman Trophy winners, all that kind of stuff. Having someone that, you know, you can kind of rely on to be maybe that next guy in line. I think that gets some of these prospects that are in high school excited about, I want to come and I want to be a part of that. If it's the next quarterback or running back or receiver, whatever it is, I feel like he can be a key part of it. We've seen him do that throughout throughout his career. I think now that he's at USC, I think he's going to be a, a big cog in that recruiting machine. You can follow him on Twitter at Inside Troy, the owner and publisher of uscfootball.com. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on and giving me some time today. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. The top transfer in the 2022 transfer rankings, Caleb Williams headed to USC. For Ryan Abraham, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the College Football Daily.